Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. I'm going to invite you to join me in Hosea. We're going to start in chapter 14, okay? Chapter 14, actually the very last verse in Hosea. And that's going to be, that's going to be our starting point. But this morning we're, we're looking at the gospel according to Hosea. So we are going to be all over the place, all right? So I hope that you are ready. All over the place in Hosea. And I have a couple of verses that, that I put in there that are not there. If it's outside the book of Hosea, it'll be on the screen. If it's inside the book of Hosea, uh, I'm going to trust that you can flip there, okay? Big numbers of the chapters, little numbers of the verses. We'll, we'll, we'll make it from there, okay? Uh, book of Hosea. So this is wrapping up this morning, six weeks or six Sundays, more than six weeks, six Sundays that we've spent in uh, the book of Hosea itself, looking at, the, the first of all, the biography of Hosea and his wife Gomer and their children and what we learn about uh, God through that story, and then looking at, at the message of Hosea lived out through his life in, uh, and the message that God had for Israel. And so this morning, what I want to do is really kind of take back up and take a 30,000-foot view over the book of Hosea itself and just ask ourselves, what are the gospel themes that we see in Hosea? Now, I've picked two. There are many more, and I know that. But so that you're not here till 3 o'clock, we're going to focus really in on two of them this afternoon. All right? So if, if you will, uh, find Hosea chapter 14, verse 9, and let's stand together as we honor the word of the Lord this morning. Hosea chapter 14, verse 9 says, Let whoever is wise understand these things, and whoever is insightful recognize them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to gather and to open up your word, and we pray that your name will be lifted high. Pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to hear from your word this morning. And I pray you would turn our hearts toward Christ Jesus this morning. Whether maybe some for the first time. For those of us who've been been believers for a while, may, may they be turned afresh to the gospel this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Um, this has been a, I think as I've shared before, um, this has been my first attempt really to dive into uh, a prophet at this length. I, I've talked through Jonah before, but, but let's be honest, like, like people know the story of Jonah, right? I mean, you, you heard that as a kid and he's swallowed by a great fish. He goes and preaches and the city repents and he gets mad. That, that's Jonah in a nutshell, Right? I mean, he's like sitting on the, on the perch of the hill overlooking Nineveh, like, I can't wait for the fireworks to start, and, and, and God doesn't do that, and he gets mad. Uh, Hosea, is a, as we were talking even in our Sunday school class this morning, Hosea is a prophet all to himself. Now, some of the prophets did weird stuff, but Hosea is really the only one that, that God says, hey, I want you to go and live out your message. Not just like go preach in the square and, and put on kind of a show and make people wonder, man, what is up with this guy? But rather, your message is going to happen inside your house. Um, and, and so this becomes a very personal message to Hosea uh, in a way that, that none of the other prophets do. Um, 
And through that, we see uh, something about the great love of God. But first, the, the first thing that we see, so, so in chapter 14, verse 9, which we just read, uh, as the book wraps up, if you notice, um, this never goes back and tells us what happened in Hosea's household. Did, did you pick up on that as we were going through? Like, like his story's never really resolved. The end of chapter three, he's, or in chapter three, he's told, go back and marry, this, t- marry your wife again, take her back, buy her back to yourself. And then it launches into the, the story of, of how his message played out in Israel and, and how his life illustrated what the people of Israel did. But it never like circles back around. Even in the story of Job, it, it circles back around and we're told Job, Job's uh, uh, riches were restored to them. Even his family was restored. And in Hosea, we don't have this. Like, go, go buy back your wife, show her love again. And he says, all right, you're to come and you're to live with me for the rest of your days. And then it goes into the story. Like, we don't know. Like, what happened in Hosea's life? Like, what kind of marriage counseling did they have to have at that point? How, how was his, his uh, daughter, not my child, scarred for life by her name? Like, those are the kind of things I want to know, but we're we're not told. Instead, it closes, and it simply says this, Let whoever is wise understand these things. Whoever is insightful, recognize them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. In fact, if you're in the story of Hosea, we're not even told how the people of Israel really respond. As, as we saw, there were a few times where they kind of seemed like they were on track with repentance and, and, and turning back to God. As we know through history, that didn't usually last very long. But, but even at the end of Hosea, like there's not, a, 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 there's not an ending at all. There's not a happy ending. There's not a, there, there's not a tra- tragic ending. It's just um, let the one who's righteous understand these things. And so the question I think for us is not necessarily, well, well what happened with Gomer? Or what happened with Israel? The the question that's posed at the end of Hosea for us is, what's going to happen with us? How will we respond to the grace of God that's been shown through this story? And even more so, as we look back at this story of Hosea through the lens of the New Testament, so not just how we respond to the grace of God that's shown in the story of Hosea, but how we respond to the grace of God that's shown through the cross. And through God calling us back out of our rebellion. So, so two big things um, and then three subpoints in each. Okay, that, That's where we're going this morning. The, the first thing that we see in the gospel uh, according to Hosea is that sin is grievous. Sin is grievous. It is a big deal. As we were talking in our Sunday school class this morning... Uh, you know, our culture kind of has this idea, I think, that, um, that, they, that, that those who would believe in a God kind of see God up, up in heaven looking down and, and, and maybe kind of winking at sin, smiling at sin. Maybe just up there kind of going, oh, shucks, those kids are something else. Maybe you saw the news story this week where um, a young boy approached the Pope and um, explained to the Pope that, that his daddy was an atheist who passed away, but that his daddy was a good person. And asked the Pope, do you think my dad is in heaven? 
Now, I've never been put on the spot there. But the Pope's response um, was basically, you know, I believe you. If, you. if you said your dad's a good person, sure. I, b- I believe that he's, that he's in heaven. And I'm, I'm afraid that's a picture of a larger idea that we have where, where God just kind of says, you know, mo- mo- most folks are all right. There's even a country song that's on the charts right now called Most People Are Good. What we need to understand is that the gospel would expose the depth of our sin. In fact, until you understand the depth of your sin, you can't understand the depth of God's love for you in the middle of your sin. Or the lengths that God goes to express his love to people caught in sin. And the first way we're going to see this is in the example of Gomer. So if you go to Hosea chapter 1 with me. Right off the bat. Hosea chapter 1 verse 2. The first, first place that we see the depth of sin in, in the life of Gomer is when God first speaks. If you see in verse 2. When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, he said this to him, Go and marry a woman of promiscuity and have children of promiscuity. For the land is committing blatant acts of promiscuity by abandoning the Lord. Man, what a call to serve the Lord right there, right? When the Lord first spoke to Hosea. I want you to go marry a woman. And by the way, she's not going to be faithful to you. And I'm going to use your life and your marriage as an illustration of how my people are treating me, says the Lord. And we see that their, um, their marriage quickly goes off the rails because if you jump down to verse 9, um, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. We, we walked through the first, or, or Hosea's three children in verse 4. Um, verse 3, we're told that, that he and Gomer have a daughter together. Um, that the Lord said to him, name, or excuse me, have a son, name him Jezreel. For in a little while, I will bring the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu. By the way, Jezreel means God sows. And, and in this case, it means God sows uh, leading to destruction. So, so God's saying something through this child's name. Um, I, on that day, I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. They've turned away from me. I'm going to, um, if, if they don't repent, Things will not go well for them. Six, she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, name her Loruhamah, which means uh, no compassion or not loved. And so the, the, the thought here among theologians is this one may or may not have been Hosea's child. We're not really told. Uh, but at least there was question about whether or not this child was Hosea's. And in verse 9, it said, after Gomer had weaned, Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said, name him Lo-Ami, which means not my people or not my son. For you are not my people and I will not be your God. So, so the first child, we're told, was born to Hosea. Definitely his son. The daughter, maybe, maybe not. The son, not my son. That we, we see in Gomer. And in fact... What, what God says through Gomer it gives us a, a picture into the next example that we have throughout the book of Hosea. And that is that we have the example of 
Israel, the, the people of Israel turning away from God. So flip over to, to chapter 4. Good thing there's not like 150 chapters to Hosea, huh? You guys would be flipping for a while. No, it's short. Just a few pages. So through Gomer, God's illustrating the way his people have turned away from him. And in chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, God, speaking through Hosea, says, My people consult their wooden idols and their divining rods and form them. For a spirit of promiscuity leads them astray. They act promiscuously in disobedience to their God. They sacrifice on the mountaintops and they burn offerings on the hills and under oaks, poplars, and terebinths because their shade is pleasant. And so your daughters act promiscuously and your daughters-in-law commit adultery. Now, now what's going on here is that the people are turning away to consult their wooden idols. In fact, uh, later on, I believe it's in chapter 11, God will talk about uh, how they've built these idols with their hands. So, so it's not like they're stumbling into this. They are actively pursuing other gods. And we see uh, in verse four, or excuse me, verse 13 that this is widespread throughout the, the entire nation. They're sacrificing on the mountaintops, burning offerings on the hills, under oaks, poplar. So in other words, you didn't have to look very far to find people turning away from God and worshiping other things. That's why God told Hosea, I'm going to use your life to illustrate what my people are doing. Because as blatant as it is that, that your wife would turn away and go chase after other lovers, this is what my people have done. But ultimately, Israel's not even the, the, the point of where this is going, because we know as we look back through history and we look at, at, at the way the Old Testament progresses into the New Testament, so it'd be very easy for us to, to sit here and point fingers at Israel and say, man, don't, don't they understand what the Lord's done for them? Can't, can't they look back at their history and say, look at, look at how the Lord led them out of Egypt miraculously. Look at how he fed them in the desert. Look at how he graciously brought them into the promised land. Why would they not surrender? Why on earth would they not trust him? How could they be so dense as to keep turning away from him? But the Bible doesn't let us off the hook quite that easily. Because in Romans 2.5, we see an example of us. And the way that we have a tendency to turn away from God into sin as well. Romans 2.5, because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. See, what happens in Romans 1 is Paul talks a lot about the culture around them. Romans 1, starting in about verse 18, he, he just runs through this list of sins that were being committed in the Roman culture around the church. And the idea, I think, of what he's trying to do is to kind of, kind of turn around and, and have the, the, his Jewish audience, some, some believers in Christ, would look at the culture around and go, man, you're right, they're wicked. Those folks need Jesus. And in chapter 2, he begins, and he turns around and says, so what's your excuse? Those folks don't have Jesus. You do. What's your excuse for passing judgment 
on them. He says, do you really think you're any better? And in chapter 3, we'll ultimately say, so, so, so what do we do with all this? There's none righteous, no, not one, no one who seeks after God. So it's important for us to understand that apart from the grace of God, but for the grace of God, there is no end to the depth of our depravity. Apart from Christ Jesus, there's no telling what you and I could do. So let us never find ourselves pointing fingers at those caught in sin. Even, I would even say at leaders who fall. Because to do so puts us in a place where we grossly misunderstand the power of sin in our own lives and grossly misunderstand the grace of God shown to sinners. But at the same time, let us never take sin lightly. You know, in 1 Peter, he talks about the devil being a roaring lion, roaming around, seeing whom he may devour. And I've said before, I think often we've treated sin like a house cat, not like a lion. There are some similarities. If you have a cat and then you've gone to the zoo and you've seen the, the really big cats, it's remarkable to, to, to watch the way that, that, that they're so similar. But I'm not letting a lion come in and lie on my bed. there's a lion roaring around my neighborhood, will that not affect um, what I allow my children to do? Oh, sure, kids, go play in the street. It's fine. <laughs> Yet how many of us treat sin like it's a house cat? It's not that big a deal, right? After all, it looks so cute and cuddly. Satan is a lion seeking to destroy. Listen, don't, folks, don't forget that. Don't forget that the fact that as we've seen this morning, sin is grievous. It's a big deal. God takes sin very seriously. As we look throughout the book of Hosea, God has drastic consequences for His people who continually turn away from Him. And, and worship other things. Sin is serious business. But lest we stop there and, and make this a, a sermon talking about how bad we are and beating up on us, we have to look at the other side of this. Okay, So yes, sin is grievous. It's a big deal. But God's love is gracious. And nowhere is that more clear in the book of Hosea than in chapter 3, verse 1. Now, now, the first two chapters, as we read earlier, it ex right off the bat, God says, Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to marry a woman who is not going to be faithful to you. In fact, she's going to turn away from you uh, multiple times. She's going to go find other lovers. You'll have one child that's definitely yours, one that's maybe yours, and one that's definitely not yours. 
And through your life, I'm going to show my people the way they're turning away from me. But through your life, I'm also going to show my people the depth of my love for them. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. And at this point, if I'm Hosea, I'm, I'm going, are you serious right now? Because what we're told in, in verse 2 is he goes and he buys his wife back. Maybe she had made herself the wife of another. Maybe, maybe she had sold herself into slavery. But at, at any rate, he has to go and he has to purchase his wife. You know what we're not really told here? Now, now again, this is speculation, okay? So, so notice, my Bible's there. This is Kyle's opinion, okay? Let's make very clear between the two things. But, but do you know what we're not told? We're not told that Gomer was repentant at all. We're not told that she came to Hosea and said, hey, you know what, I, you're right, I'm, I'm sorry for, for the way that I turned away from you. You, you notice that the emphasis is on God telling Hosea, you go and you show love to her again. Don't wait for her to come crawling back and then, you know, lay out all these conditions about what it's going to take to earn your love back. You go to her. Is that not a picture of the gospel? Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he took the initiative to show his love to us. He took the initiative to make Forgiveness of sins available to us. In this we see God's great forgiveness. Now, now lest it, it seem like I'm skipping over something, repentance is a big part of that, right? I mean, we're, we're called repeatedly throughout the scripture to recognize the, the lengths that God has gone to show love to us. The, the depths of his love in sending Christ Jesus to be our Savior even while we were still sinners. And the call is that we would recognize the great love that he has for us and respond, turn from sin, trust in Christ. And when we do, throughout the, the book of Hosea, we also see that God restores. When, when his people repent, he restores. Uh, in chapter 2, so if you're in, still in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, look back just a few verses. Chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It says, Therefore I'm going to persuade her, lead her, in, lead her to the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her vineyards back to her and make the valley of Achor into a gateway of hope. There she will respond as she did in the days of her youth, as in the day she came out of the land of Egypt. Man, is, is that not lovingly restorative language there? 
God talking about the, the people that have turned away from him. People really want nothing to do with him at this point. And he says, but I'm going to pursue them. I'm going to lead them back. I'm going to speak tenderly to them. I'm going to come with flowers and chocolates declaring my love for them. That's, that's the picture of what we have going on here. Then in uh, chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, right at the end of that chapter, it says, For the Israelites must live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. So, so there is a time of judgment on them. There's a time where, where life is not going to be normal. But then verse 5, he says, Afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come with awe to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Man, do, do, are you getting a picture of God's love for his people here? Like they turned away and, and God had every right as the holy, righteous judge of the world to say, man, these, look at what I've done for these people. And they've chosen to go and worship wooden idols, these, these wooden statues that they made for themselves. Fine, let them go. Let them go. But in his love for his people, he pursues them. And restores them. And then finally, we have this picture of God redeeming his people. To redeem means to purchase back. We talked about this for just a second ago, but in chapter 3, verse 2, Hosea says, So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and five bushels of barley. I said to her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be promiscuous or belong to any man, and I will act the same way toward you. Now, in this culture, it's possible, he, it's possible he'd already basically bought her once. And uh, when, when he married her the first time, he, he would have uh, provided a dowry to her father. He'd already purchased her once. And here he is going and buying her back again. <sighs> First Corinthians 6, Paul tells us that we've been redeemed as well. He says, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. What, what was that price? Well, we know that that price is what Jesus talks about in John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We, we know it as we see the life and the ministry of Jesus leading up to his death on the cross in our place. Defeating sin and death once for all. So when we trust in Christ, when we trust him to have forgiven our sins, we are laying our lives down. In fact, Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 5 that we're a new creation. There was an exchange that happened. We're no longer our own. We belong to Almighty God. Because He bought us with the blood of Christ. Yeah, our sin is, sin is real. Sin is great. Sin is something we should take seriously. It's not something to play with. It's not something to overlook. It's certainly not something to wink at. 
as followers of Christ, we've been called to live lives that reflect the character of Christ. Holy and righteous. And if you haven't noticed yet, we're not very good at doing that on our own. So may we continually marvel at the love of God who would send Hosea to go and buy his wife back, who would send Christ Jesus to the cross to pay for your sin and my sin to bring us back to restore that relationship with him that was broken in the fall. So two, two questions for you this morning. First of all, have you trusted in Christ? Have you turned from sin and trusted in Christ this morning? Have you come to understand something about the depth of your sin apart from him and the depth of his love, the links that he went to bring you back? If you have never done that, that, that's the first call this morning is that you would, for the first time, turn from sin, trust in Christ. Make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Make him the boss of your life. you have done that maybe you've discovered what what I mentioned a a bit ago that this thing called the Christian life is hard because we have even though sin's been forgiven even though the the Bible says that old man is is dead and doesn't exist anymore he's still putting up a fight within us the the things of the flesh are still warring against the things of the spirit and and I don't know about y'all but I have some days where I'm just crushing it like, like I'm, I feel like a, a Christian rock star, and there are days where, where I just feel like, man, I, 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 am I saved? Am I really saved? Like, like for real? And so if that's you, would you be reminded this morning that yes, sin is real. Yes, it's not something to play around with. Yes, we should confess it and turn away from it. But when we do, God's not there with his hands on his hips wagging a finger at us saying, I can't believe you did that again. He's there reminding us that in Christ Jesus, all our sins have been paid for. They've been erased off of our account. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. Free not to sin, but from sin. Free to live as children of righteousness. And he didn't just come and say, all right, this is what I've done for you, now, now go play. Go, go live as a child of righteousness. But he sent his spirit to live in us, to show us what it looks like to live as children of righteousness. So maybe this morning you just need to, to come and spend some time at the altar, repenting of, of sins, thanking God for the great grace that he's shown to us through Christ Jesus. Or maybe, as I mentioned before, you need to come and and you need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. However he's leading you, as we sing here in just a few moments, will you come? I'd love love to pray with you. Love to show you how you can step from death to life in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the great opportunity that we have to open up your word and to see the way that you've moved in and through those that have gone before us. And I thank you for the strength that it gives us to live today. So for those of us in the room who, 
who would say, yes, absolutely, I'm, I know I'm a believer in Christ. I know that my sin has been forgiven. Would you remind us of the great love that you have for us? And, and even on those days where, where sometimes we just look at things, it's like, man, I, this, I'm not where I thought I would be. I'm still struggling with things I didn't think I would struggle with anymore. Will you remind us that, that we can come into your presence, we can repent of sin, and that your grace is enough you've already paid for those. You've set us free to live as children of God, children of righteousness. And that that freedom and joy that we experience in Christ would lead us to invite others to do the same. If there's anyone here this morning, Father, that's still living in bondage as a slave to sin. Would you open their eyes? Would you arrest their hearts and show them the love that you have for them, the forgiveness of sins that's available through Christ Jesus this morning? Move in our hearts and in our lives in the next few moments. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. We meet on Sundays for small groups at 9 a.m. and worship at 1030. If you have more questions, please email office at fbcalamo.com or call 575-437-5510. Thank you for listening and may God bless you this week.